Welcome to the Wise Women Diaries podcast. This is where shame and victimhood die. I am a woman that questions everything. So this podcast is a reflection of that. Here, we speak on non-mainstream perspectives like personal growth in motherhood and relationships, awareness of the ego versus the soul, the voice of fear versus intuition. We discuss what it looks like to step into your power and step out of the medical paradigm. That's why I'm obsessed with interviewing women who trust their bodies and their babies in home birth and free birth and their wild journey from maiden to mother. Ultimately, this podcast is about women taking radical responsibility for their life, shedding victimhood for good. So the previous episode is detailing Taylor's unassisted, non-medicalized pregnancy, her unassisted birth with her husband and her mom and dad present, which is such a treat to listen to. And then her psychedelic postpartum, where she experienced more love with her husband than ever before. She fell in love with her new baby and she got downloads from God that were direct instructions on how to mother her new son. And I get to witness Taylor mother in my life because she is one of my closest friends, one of my best friends, and I am a maiden. And I get to watch her in her mature mothering. It is her first child, but she is the, the, one of the only mature mothers that I witness and observe and personally know. She is a rare one. She is a rare one because she mothers in full trust. Absolute full trust. Her pregnancy was in full trust. Her birth was in full trust. And now her mother is in full trust. It's all one and the same because that is who she is. She trusts herself. She trusts God. That is who she is in her journey. This story is unlike any other story because she is in trust and not many people are. So I'm so excited to talk to her about mothering. And these are the conversations that we have daily and weekly together. We are always talking about these things. That's why I want to bring it to the audience, you know, just a glimpse into our conversations. And she's just such a treat. She's such a treasure. And I just love her, all of her perspectives. They're, they're so different than normal people, than mainstream people. And the first thing that I want to talk about, we're going to have this conversation about her motherhood because it inspires me so, so deeply. Um, but first, let's start with, with the label, um, elimination communication. That's just this label, you know, just like free birth. Free birth is a new label that we use, but it's, it's, it's normal birth. It's how people have been birthing for decades, for thousands of years. Free birth is just birth. And elimination communication is, I don't even know why it needs a label, but it's when you give your child the dignity of not soiling themselves in diapers for three years. Because now it's, mo- it's going on to three years where, uh, yeah. So 
Tay from the get-go got this download where she knew she she wanted to offer her son the dignity of the using the toilet like we have because he is his own full sovereign being. So Taylor, I want to I want to hear where when you came to that conclusion. Mm-hmm. So that came up during my pregnancy. Um, again, kind of just literally thinking everything through, like thinking about, um, you know, what I was going to need for this new baby, you know, and I didn't buy anything for this new person. Like literally I realized all he needed was me. And so then obviously you're going through like the basic checklist of like, well, okay. And so like, I didn't buy any medical equipment. He's never had his snot sucked by a machine. I would do that if he ever needed it when he was stuffed up. Um, I've never, you know, bought him anything specific for those, you know, outsourcing things. Like again, it's just an industry. So many things are just an industry. And so question them. What are their motives? Are their motives to help you and your baby or are their motives to make money and almost strip you of your sovereignty? Like, I don't know if it's for everybody to do what I do as far as caring for my son just from my own body, but it just makes so much more sense to me than buying commodities that do the jobs for me. Yeah, so you bought... You were going through your checklist and obviously you had you had no nursery no. whatsoever. You didn't buy bottles, you didn't buy no. a pump, nothing, nothing, nothing. Nothing. I didn't buy a single thing. The only thing I bought was cloth diapers because I always knew that was going to be what I used. And then as I dove into that, it was the same uh, kind of discovery as elimination communication and that you can do them hand in hand and that it actually benefits your cloth diapering journey if you will like you know there's less laundry um and as soon as I stumbled upon it it just I had never thought to question it because I had never known anybody to do such a thing and so it was like that little phrase came into my consciousness and it just man even to question deeper even to question deeper than disposable versus cloth like, no, deeper, further. And so I did. And it just made so much sense to me. It clicked in my soul immediately that this was the way. And again, like what, how do we eliminate products from our lives? How do we eliminate the need for stuff? And it goes back to that same concept of not taking a pregnancy test. Like, how do we eliminate the need to purchase and bring stuff in and instead go from our nature and from our bodies and from their design. You know, God made mothers and babies perfectly. And how do I interfere uh, the least with that? You know, especially because of the culture we're around, right? Like a lot of people across the world don't have to even have these unlearning thoughts because they've seen it they've witnessed it it's been what uh has been in their lives but here in america that was not the case well we live in a consumer society as well where we just have so much money and not everyone 
but but still like you're willing to spend your paycheck on on a crib mm -hmm. but but do you even need that crib this is privileged buying where yep. in a third world country it's not even a question it's not even a conversation it's not even a choice one how much stuff people buy to replace the mother is what's so profound to me like so many things are just a substitute of basically the mother's time and connection to the baby so elimination communication came to me and boom it just made so much sense and he had his first um toilet experience at two days old two days old yeah and it was like nick and i just like to have fun like to be honest we just like love to have fun and make everything playful so it also was just fun to do this new thing and to empower our son and to get to know him better. Like at that age, especially like they are so chill. They're not up to much. So like the things they're up to, like eating, like pooing, like it's exciting. So it was like, oh, we can participate. Like we can, we can help him with this too. Like, nursing is such a, oh, grounding, like, oh, he needs you, you're right there, like, and now going to the restroom, same thing. Like, how cool is that? Like, you don't need a diaper to do it for you. You can do it. You don't need a bottle to feed your baby. You can do it. And, oh, it was so fun. Because I actually did the first one. Nick was out in the yard. And I was, like, a little, like skeptical to be honest like until you've seen it like until you see that you give them the chance and they will do it yeah it's kind of hard to believe well yeah because people when they first hear <laughs> of elimination communication they're like what right a, a baby goes in a little toilet or a sink a newborn <laughs> a goes sink. poo in a sink what they can't even grasp it they can't even it's so shocking but mm -hmm. the thing is is when you see a mother and i see you doing this with Ozzy, there, there's nothing shocking about it. Right. It's, it's kind of normal. shocking the other way. Yes. Then. Yes. Yeah. It's so normal. It's natural. Watching a mother potty her baby is normal. It kind of feels good in your soul to see it. Like, honestly, you're like, that baby's, like, his needs are being met. And it's something that you don't know is missing until you see it. And it feels like, oh man, it touches you. Like everybody thinks it's like the coolest slash craziest thing. And it's like, yeah, it is both of those things. And my hope is that through our example, just in our lives, that people see that as an opportunity and that caring for your baby is like the best feeling in the world and to add another thing that you can take care of in integrity for your child is like oh man it's incredible and it's just crazy like they know they know to go it's <laughs> it really was like I did the first one when Nick was out of the house because I was like I'm just gonna see about this and he went and I was like Oh, beside myself. I was like, all right, 
That was all I needed to be like all in. And not to say that there weren't times where there was a learning curve with it, because again, there's no example of this um, in our culture. Um, you had no one in right. your life to learn from. No. Besides, like, if I tried to uh, look into, like, specific questions I would have, you know, there are some great resources for those moments that come up where you, f- you feel a little like, am I, do I need help with this? Or is this, you know, a little stumbling area for us? But for most of the journey, it was just so intuitive. Like, it just totally clicked into place for us. And also, it's not about perfection. And that's what a lot of people don't understand. It's not about catching every single pee and poop of your baby in the sink or toilet. Um, and so Ozzy would you would wear cloth diapers when he was a baby baby. Um, now he's just naked all the time. <laughs> um, but, but you would usually catch the pee or poop at home because you're very in tune and present with him. But then if we were hanging out, your focus is conversing with me and mm-hmm. a little less on your baby so right. so that's when you know the cloth diapers were utilized and they're going to the bathroom so much more when they're that young right so it's like these are things that I feel like I wish I would have known but it's like even breastfeeding I literally remember seeing breastfeeding moms through my life and it always seemed like as their baby got older like you know it just was like they weren't leaking, their breasts weren't like these engorged, like it was just so natural. But then when I started breastfeeding, I was like, how do women ever go braless with this? Or how does it ever become this just like easy thing? But it changes when the baby changes. And same with, um, you know, their bathroom needs. Like it, it lightens up, all of it just gets more and more spaced apart as they get bigger and it's just something that didn't click for me when I was a brand new mom when I was thinking into the future of like how do I leave the house when my baby is breast like how do I even drive somewhere he's breastfeeding so much how would I even be out and about whenever he's peeing and pooping so much and sleeping so much so like definitely something that I try to like tell new moms or pregnant moms is like just keep that in mind like they're changing and growing and what you experience day one is nothing like what you experience three months, six months, nine months in. Um, and just to embrace those stages for what they are. Like I was so homebody until about three months. And then you see these like little changes like, oh, he's going longer stretches without going to the bathroom, without eating, you know, and it just becomes um, more integrated to that, um, you know, to life versus I feel like in the beginning, you're really called to stillness, um, and just embrace that because it is so short and don't think that, oh my gosh, I'm going to be catching 20 potties a day when, for the rest of my life. Like, yeah, no. because now how does it look? He's like 20 months. What the, how does it look now? Oh my gosh. So he has been diaper free except at night cloth diaper free cloth diaper free except at night since he was about 14 months old and we literally it's just it's just like with you and I a little more frequently but not by much 
And it's like, I just offer it to him. Like, hey, Oz, you need to go potty? And he'll either say yes or no. And you learn their riz- rhythms. Yes. Like, he's gone through ri- rhythms where, you yes. know, it's a morning poop, but then sometimes it can change. But just like we have rhythms, yes. they have rhythms. And that's so powerful to not feel overwhelmed is to, yeah, recognize those rhythms and just dive into that attunement because it is your biggest tool for sure. It's like, oh yeah, he always poos around 9 or 10 a.m. He never poos in the middle of the night. Like it just wasn't a thing after newborn. Newborn, throw up anything and it's all happening all the time. They're nursing, sleeping, going to the bathroom in that cycle constantly. Yeah. And it's like, embrace it. Like it just, it goes so fast. Just embrace that and embrace the fact that you get to learn how to breastfeed so quickly. You get to learn how to potty them so quickly because you're getting so many exposures in a day. And I don't think that's by accident. Like you are instantly a professional breastfeeder. You feel like by like a week, like I've done this 7,000 times by week one. I got this. Get over here. Come here. Yeah. Do you want to say anything about your breastfeeding journey? Um, it, again, like your story, it's just, it's a sim- it's simple. There's not mm-hmm. much to say about it, but I do kind of like the story where you felt the tingling in your boob one time of mastitis or whatever, you yeah. know, who, who knows if it's that, but just maybe say that because I think it's powerful. Yeah. So the breastfeeding journey was pretty, pretty spot on. Like he nursed immediately after he was born, um, and latched beautifully. But then a few days in the latch was like a little off and it was starting to feel painful, like too tight, too constricted versus like that open mouth, like full suction. And so for actually a few days, I would really have to like manipulate his mouth or my breast to get that deep latch. And really, I feel like I was training him in those moments because I don't know that I was even conscious in the beginning of that because it just felt like he was doing what he needed to do. And then I started getting that pain and realized, oh, he's shifting the way he's doing it. I'm not offering the breast to him in a way that's fully available. I'm kind of doing like that nipple feeding, you know, which is what so many people do and experience um, whenever you don't know what you're doing yet. Um, and so, yeah, I was like pain that isn't normal. Like that's not, you know, you can't live like that. You can't live feeling like, oh my gosh, this is going to hurt whenever your baby needs to eat. Like that's not normal. So helping him and like fully offering that to him was really cool and a really great experience. And he, it probably took a few days of like me really being intentional about offering it to him in a way that encouraged his mouth to open fully and yeah, back on track. Cool. And you just did all of that intuitively. Yep. Imagine that. Yep. Yeah. Cause it's all available. Like it was painful. That's not normal change. <laughs> you are feeling frustrated. That's not normal change. You are feeling overwhelmed not normal change. You get the point. So, and I'm a person who learns really quickly. Like I love a peaceful life. I love a joyful life. My husband loves a peaceful life. We have a very, very, very 
high standard for the kind of lives we like to live and we want joy and beauty in the most like unexpected places so when anything comes up we're like pivot shift that like we can do it and so this was no different and then yeah like your breasts whenever you're first breastfeeding are just flooded with milk it's really the coolest thing ever to experience but you're learning how to navigate that like how much do you feed them on this side how much do you feed them on that side like well I get a better position on this breast and but this breast is now getting so full I have to switch um and so just learning that and I started to get this little kind of tingling like just like this almost one percent of what I feel like women describe as mastitis like just too it just started to feel a little off like uh, I don't know so I actually told my mom about it and she was like go take a hot shower and just like massage that breast in the shower and I did and then I went and fed Ozzy after it wasn't so engorged and hard and boom solved like didn't become this big infection thing like but it's because I was in tune with the smallest sensation and that's kind of how the breastfeeding thing was like I was in a little bit of pain from the shallow latch had to change it but it's like I don't wait for things to become big I tackle them when they're very small and very like manageable which is why I don't need to outsource because I handle them while they're very manageable but I can imagine if you let things escalate you go months and months and months of this shallow latch and your nipple is just crying in pain and your baby is not thriving well you know that's that's gonna feel really 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 out of hand by the time you go to address it six months in or mastitis when you go to address it when you're in excruciating mind-blowing pain you know so it's like that that bit of awareness that comes when you're in tune to the smallest shifts yeah yeah so another thing that i loved watching you in your mothering is being so crystal clear on there is nothing in this world more important than my son mm -hmm. there is nothing more important with my time there's no there's nothing and with that level of clarity you obviously did not leave your son for more than a year ever ever not even for one hour so it's just it's not it shouldn't it doesn't really need to be spoke on but for some reason in this society that that's radical tay that's radical, is not leaving your baby for a full year. And you're actually kind of de looked down upon in our society. Mm -hmm. And I have this friend that is a new mom and she is just three weeks in and she has their, her baby on her all the time. And she's gotten a few questions of, <laughs> don't, don't you want freedom? She's gotten that question. Mm -hmm. And that's our society is, don't you want freedom from your baby, from your love of your life, mm -hmm. from this this little human that only needs you only needs you mm -hmm. but you know freedom should be more important it's just pretty warped you know it's 
it's very a very distorted view of reality um, to make your baby the source of your um, misery. You know, like, oh my gosh, this like bothersome newborn needs me. Oh my goodness. Like it's, it's very warped when you think about it because you grew this baby, birthed this baby, have this tiny little new, oh man, not fragile in the way of like breakable, but fragile as in like fresh and oh man, you just want to be delicate and recognize like you're new here. Like this is all so oh man, it's a new experience for you. And all you know is me. All you know is me from the inside. You know me better than anybody else knows me, was like my perspective. Like Ozzy's literally seen a part of me that no one else has ever seen. He has a vantage point from my body that no one else will ever have. And that's all he knew coming to earth is my my body and to me it felt so natural to just let him stay as connected to me as possible even after he was born like even with Nick like him and Nick were bonding but in a totally different way like it was so mother focused in our household like oh man it's funny because I'm not a poet by any stretch of the imagination but after I had Ozzy um, I was writing poetry like crazy and a poem I wrote was about uh, Nick holding me while I would hold Ozzy Nick would feed me while I was holding Ozzy Nick would comfort me when I was crying while I comforted Ozzy while he was crying. And it was like, I could be the mother I needed to be because Nick was the father he needed to be. And he wasn't trying to like, oh man, he wasn't trying to go around me to Ozzy. He wasn't feeling left out because I'm the only person he truly need needed at that time, you know, for physical survival. Nick never tried to go around that natural process. Like, he honored it. He recognized the strength and the power of the bond that mother-baby have. And he honored that by taking care of both of us. By taking care of me so I could take care of our boy. And, oh, I think the world would be a different place if every mother got to experience that that level of safety after her child was born because yeah it's, it's not it's not flatline it's not just this like even keeled like though our experience was so blissful so oh man top of the charts it doesn't mean it was flatlined up there right like there were experiences that were challenging or lower moments of like regrouping from those places and just to experience that level of support 
from him to our baby and him honoring that natural growth process like Ozzy really does just need mom but I love him unconditionally I love her unconditionally this is my role for now and let me build my bond with Ozzy Tay's already been building one for 10 months before he's born so let me start creating some of that now that he's here and I'm able to hold him the way she was so it really was like he held so much space he was the most divine father you could ever picture and then him and Ozzy just built this really natural bond over time like I was this like almost anchor for Ozzy for him to then like oh Nick and him could really connect and then oh back to mom he needs to nurse okay you know him and Nick are really playing together and having these deep eye contact moments with their twin beautiful blue eyes and oh he's learning this is my daddy this is the man who's gonna be my greatest role model who's gonna be my greatest provider and then oh he needs to breastfeed back to mom oh he needs to sleep back to mom like and then as he grows through those stages him and Nick are you know building different levels of trust right because Ozzy could trust me for those whole 10 months before he was born I proved it every day and so Nick was building that same thing for those first 10 months of him on earth and around that time you know just over you know day to day it wasn't like some big shift but it was just watching them truly build the same amount of trust and oh Ozzy's now eating solids Nick can feed him they can have that experience together now in time but not overriding it with bottles or breast pumps like honoring the fact that my breasts are attached to me for a reason um, that they provide ever-changing milk based on what his body is saying it needs and that communication can only happen at the breast it can't happen through a pump and through a bottle and through Nick feeding him um, and so just honoring that that was the way we were designed as human mammals was for a mom to breastfeed yeah and carry mammals too mm -hmm. he was on you for months yeah for months yeah and it's amazing what yeah why wouldn't you want the love of it's your life so on you why wouldn't you want the love of your, of your life on you at all times? It's the best. It's like they smell perfect. Oh, man, there's you're their everything. Like, what more could you want? And, man, showing him that I can show up for you in what you need. Like, I, I can do it. I can be everything you need at every stage of your life. Because now it's not like that. Now he's with Nick right now while we're doing this. And they're playing in the backyard, doing yard work, like going on a walk, eating lunch together, like, and just like that. Like in the blink of an eye, it's so different. And so it's like honoring those stages for exactly what they are and not rushing. Like I feel like it's so much 
like pushing our own weird made up agendas on babies. Like why, why would any dad feel like to be connected to their baby, they need to be able to feed the baby. It's kind of strange of like, why can't you connect through another way or like recognize the physiological process and love your woman loving your baby. And you know, that's where those things can't be, those things can't be created overnight. You know, so much of this stuff is, you know, I'm a terrible person to talk about these things with at times because I always go back to like the root. Like I couldn't have the mothering journey I have without the relationship I have. I couldn't have the relationship I have if I would have had a different teenagehood than I did. And I wouldn't be that person without the people who raised me. So it's like, I'm so not, it's hard to talk about things as like, do this, do that, do this, because it's 5,000 steps beforehand that built the platform for where we are now. Like you couldn't just create that off no foundation, I guess is my point. At this point, I guess maybe, maybe, maybe uh, untouched humans who are in their true raw element probably could but in our current society like jungle people that don't know that that haven't been infiltrated by our modern ways yeah yeah with our all our programming so with you and your mothering it almost was hardly even a conscious choice most of these things like co-sleeping hmm Mm -hmm. does that make sense for me like hmm swaddle hmm no those they're not even in your realm of consciousness because it's not who you are because you are rooted in what is natural Mm -hmm. what is nature i am nature my baby's nature i am going to keep this experience so intact Mm -hmm. to its most natural state so it's almost like not allowing that modern infiltration kind of even in your realm of consciousness because you know what you are aligned with and it is nature. Mm-hmm. And so that's why just the simple fact that you birth at home unassisted and obviously you co-sleep with your baby and he's on your boob um, on you the first three months, you know, and then beyond that, mm-hmm. he still breastfeeds, he's 20 months old. This is just normal and natural, but to the modern world, it's crazy. It's radical. Yeah, and I think that comes from the fact that people are so far from the truth. And to me, the truth is what you can feel around you. Like, if my baby needed a swaddle, would maybe he have been born? Would a swaddle have come out of my vagina after he was born? Probably. Like, if he needed those extra things, I believe they would have been provided to me. But I was provided my warm body. I was provided two breasts to feed him and comfort him. Um, And that's enough. And that's enough. Right. Like, if he needed all these accoutrements, like, 
he would have been born with them was I guess like the easiest way for me to like really uncloud any infiltration of those things because I mean I had even though my mom's pretty you know unique in her own way very conventional in others like I had a pacifier you know she did co-sleep with us which was pretty crazy at the time but you know some of those things that they're so common it's hard to even like almost separate them from babies in our culture like every baby has a pacifier yeah. boom point blank except ozzy except <laughs> ozzy yeah you don't have a bottle in your house you don't have a pump never. in your house you don't have a pacifier in your house nothing no and we never did because it's not needed correct because those things are not needed yeah and there's also there's also a layer of this conversation that we love to talk about often is this this is a lot of this is controversial um maybe not to the audience because they're listening to for a reason but just the simple fact of swaddling and binding a human's arms down very tightly while they sleep. Imagine how that feels if that was you. How would that feel to have all of your hands and your legs bound so tight where you can't even itch a, an itch on your face? And then you throw in the fact that you're swaddled and then pacified. Like you can't even vocalize your needs from a place of being constricted. Like truly put yourself in that place. And that is what we define as torture. For adults, we define it as torture. But, For adults, but, but it's normal to treat a baby like that. It's because they're objects. Yes, because their cry or them I mean they do the oh man the movements they make at that young age oh they're erratic it's like the most wild thing to witness the fact that they just jerk their bodies suddenly you know supposedly without reason obviously with reason they're intelligent and to just erase that because it's inconvenient to you is, oh, it's deplorable to me. Like, you're erasing their physiological need that was put in place for their protection by their maker. You're erasing it because it makes you uncomfortable that they wake themselves up. Yeah, like, by startling themselves. So yeah. instead you want to silence their startle. You want to silence their natural god-given instinct of a startle because it's not convenient for you right because that baby is treated as an object to get you know silence from them or get uh cooperation from them because straight up compliance right because the very youngest age because they're yeah because they're too inconvenient for you to deal with and I don't blame individual people per se. I mean, there is an element of responsibility. You're choosing it. But man, it is everywhere. It's and it programmed. Is, and it is synonymous in America. I can only speak to the culture I grew up in. But it is synonymous to have those things 
like baby swaddle, baby pacifier, baby diaper, like baby crib, like they are so intertwined in our culture. You think about the baby doll aisle at Target, like that baby doll is has more accessories than you would even know what to do with. And the modern nursery is the same way. So you don't think that's programming for me to take my son shopping on the doll aisle and it's bottles, pacifiers, blankets, teddy bears, like cribs, walkers. Money, 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 Correct. money. Money and suppression of connection. Like that's what those things are. Because I don't even think it's as um simple as just money like i i do feel like there are some slightly darker forces at play of trying to suppress the human experience and disrupting that mother baby bond from is, from day one. Oh man from even before day one because induction is literally separating a mother from its baby forcefully forcefully and this, it's so mundane in our culture. It's so... So did you get induced? Like, it's just... Oh, plain. Plain language. Because a baby is an object. And they, you know... You don't have to respect that they choose their birth date. And you don't have to respect that maybe they need a little more time in the womb because they're developing something that you don't know that they're developing. Oh, you don't man. know anything. We don't know anything. Oh. But we just evict babies because they're objects. They're objects, and we don't fully respect them as full humans. And you don't respect the creator, ultimately, when you do that. Like, you're not respecting the design of a human when you interfere the way our culture does. Like, you are seriously saying that this random man who was put through an, a torturous institution for eight years, brainwashed, is now more knowledgeable about infants and pregnant women than the God who created them. It just, to me, doesn't add up. Um, and then you tether in the monetary aspect and... It's just a match made in heaven for a weak society, for mothers who don't even see it coming, you know? Yeah. And it breaks my heart for the mothers that, you know, really just, I don't know, don't know. Well, yeah, I mean, ultimately to me, it's herd mentality is mm -hmm. we, we just mimic and model what everyone else does without asking ourselves if it aligns with us if it feels good in our heart and our body it's a complete disconnection from our own self so if you're not even connected with your own self how can you connect with a baby how can you be in tune with a baby if you're not even in tune with yourself i yeah i and then you think about all the women who just have no idea until after the fact and then you're you know living with the guilt of you betrayed yourself because so many moms knew better in their hearts they always know better 
they know the feeling. Every mother I've ever talked when to. When they hear the cry it out, like every single mother talks about, oh, it's so heartbreaking. My husband has to put on loud music to keep, oh, it makes me, makes my stomach flip upside down to think about a baby just needing one thing and you won't give it to that baby. Like they need one thing and it's you. And you are literally withholding because someone told you to. You don't even know why. Like you are withholding the only the only place of peace that baby knows. You are saying no. You are not worthy of this. I am told to do otherwise and you are not your cries are not worthy. They will not sway me. This is what I'm doing and you are manipulating me. Like the level of mm, the level of disconnect you must feel in your body and the betrayal of your body in that moment. I can't even imagine it. And then you think about postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety. Like who wouldn't have anxiety after those experiences? Like because how could it, that not be haunting your soul to be like severing what your bones say to do yeah because anxiety and depression is a very clear symptom that something is off something happened something is happening something is off and and it something needs to be looked at something needs to be radically changed in your life mm-hmm. right because that those extremes are coming way late in the game you know by the time you have these extreme cases like you know maybe more maybe more open-hearted or soft-hearted moms experience it earlier because they were betraying themselves in their pregnancy and so it comes on quickly this label of postpartum depression or anxiety but maybe mothers who are more entrenched in those beliefs you know it takes months and months and months of them then betraying their baby to develop those conditions to develop those like soul splitting conditions because that's what that is it's your soul splitting of your actions versus your true heart's desires like that's a result those things are a result of that brokenness yeah the mind's knowledge and being told you should do this or i read this i should be doing this that that's that's knowledge that's not your primal mothering instinct and almost every single woman that you know cry it out method is is a really good example because it's said so often where a mother's heart breaks it breaks for their baby because they are not in their primal mother instinct. They are going against it. So against it, like full force running the opposite direction of it. And their heart is breaking as a symptom of not being in tune with that instinct. Yeah. These are all signs from the body. Yeah. Because your body is you. They're not separated and your baby is your body. Your baby is for so long. And honestly, the more I grow with my son and, you know, take looks at my mom's relationship with her mom, 
my relationship to my mother, like, I don't think we're ever that far from them. I think we are always connected to our mother. And that's why so many people still crave that level, like this almost this unnatural level of needing a mother because they never had it when they did need it the most. And then as a 30-year-old man, you have all these issues because you weren't held by your mother at the most pivotal time when you did need her. And you didn't develop and stretch that relationship over time in a natural way, like an unfolding. Like I said earlier, I hope that Nick and I are able to show up for Ozzy through every stage of his life in the most embodied way. Like not in a way where I'm coddling him and I'm offering him my breast at 21 years old, but in a way that is now suited to a 21 year old version of my son. And right now he is a 20 month version of himself and I'm doing everything in my power to stay connected to this moment with him and honoring this moment with him because it does, it, it all unfolds exactly as it's meant to, if you let it, if you don't get in the way. If your mind, your mind's knowledge doesn't get in the way of your primal instinct. Mm -hmm. Well, and even for Ozzy, like the first time I even left him with Nick was so long into his life, like maybe 10 or 11 months. And how I came to the choice to do that was I could feel that I was then operating from a place of um, distrust. Like I was then ov overstepping that uh, boundary of like, I had this knowing like, I need to step out of the way now for them to have a different relationship without me involved. And they need to have their own bond. He's, he's at that stage now where him and Nick need time, just the two of them, and they need to build their own relationship where mom's, you know, giving them the space to do that. And it's funny because that came up and then, you know, I only left him with Nick if, you know, other things came up and I would make plans and just let them have their time together. And it was so cool to witness the two of them. And now they have just the most insane connection and they are so in love with each other it's precious and then same thing whenever Nick Nick and I wanted to have an outing together it was like so much more time had passed and then okay my parents are so close and so devoted to Ozzy um it then was the same realization like well now Nick and I can step out of the way and they can form a relationship and, um, you know, experience what it's like to just be with grandparents and to like slowly expand Ozzy's network as it comes up. And like, you know, not forcing these things because, oh man, Nick and I need a break from Ozzy. It was like, literally those things came up because it's like, 
he'll have the time of his life just getting one-on-one -on -one attention from his grandparents, like, who adore him and who he adores right back. And so to me, like, that was what made sense, was, like, following that knowing of, okay, he needs... Now it's adding dimension to his life. Like, me and him have the most solid relationship and then okay now him and Nick have the most solid relationship okay now him and my parents have this amazing rock solid connection and then it just goes you know outward from there and he learns that the world is a trustworthy place not that he's being dumped off in situations that are out of alignment for our family but in situations that enrich our family you know like the time we've left him with my parents now twice at this point in time and both times it's like so fun to come back because he's just like having a heyday playing with them getting just like so much attention from them and it just feels right like you can't you can't replace the inner knowing of when you're doing something that is in alignment with you and your values. Like it is, you can't replace it with any sort of external processing. Like it is just a deep, deep, deep peace when you're following your truth and the truth of your child. Some of the topics that me and Tay always touch on in conversation and just like today in this conversation can be touchy and edgy in this society and for a lot of people. Um, and we, we do want to make sure that it, it's not directed at mothers, individual mothers you are responsible for your own experience and for your own mothering experience. We all are. But also there's this greater programming at play where if you are in herd mentality, where you are not thinking about what you are actually doing and how you actually feel about something and your heart is breaking because of a situation with you and your baby and you're not tuning in and listening to it, I mean, that is your responsibility. But we all have had the programming of, you know, fit in, belong, don't stick out, um, because we don't wanna be ridiculed and we don't wanna be rejected. You know, we all have this sense where we just wanna belong. And so that's why a lot of times we do what everyone else does. But then when we, sometimes for some people, when we're doing what everyone else does, we are betraying ourselves. And then our heart breaks because of it. And we get anxiety because of it. Because we are betraying ourselves in some way just to fit in. And without even realizing that that's why you're doing it, right? Like, I've actually talked with my grandma, who is my closest friend, and she is such a beautiful embodied woman now but you hear about her mothering she bottle fed in the 60s because she doesn't even know why and she's like what on earth how but she literally says she didn't question it at all like that's what she's like 
the book said to do it. Because doctors said you yeah. don't need to breastfeed. Right. There's no purpose of breastfeeding. Like literally this woman is so magical and you would never believe that from who she is today. But yeah, she's like, we'll talk about those times. And she was still like a stay at home committed, like loved being a mother. But just those programs that were strong, so strong, she didn't even realize she was being sold them. Like to, to her, it just felt like this is what you do. Doing what everyone else is doing can also just leave you feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm in mommy, toxic mommy culture, and you don't even know how you got there. Toxic mommy culture is kind of like toxic wine night culture where everything's normalized. <laughs> everything's normalized. And it's like talking shit about your kid in front of them or even, even, even behind their back. But talking shit about your kid because that's just what everyone else does. And I think that all those conversations come from such like a deep place of pain. And I think it's one of the only ways that moms feel seen is like, is to talk about the negatives because boom, instantly you have a crowd of people um, like clamoring to try to cheer you up or like, you're doing good, you're doing the best you can. But it's like, only you would know, are you doing the best you can? Like, is this really the mom you are? Or are you falling prey to like almost this low vibrational pool that most people are hanging out in instead of being a person who's empowering and uplifting the women around you to be a better mom, which is really what I hope people take away from my story and my stories over my life is like it is so possible for every mother to trust their baby to trust their child to trust the processes but it is not it isn't going to just show up magically on your doorstep like it is something that you have to actively participate in you know it is it is throwing yourself into the sea of motherhood and the sea of your life and being so in it and embracing what it is like when my son is up through the night in my mind I turn it into a sleepover like oh my gosh, we're just so excited to spend time together. Like, we're up all night. Like, we just need to connect more and have more fun. Like, it's okay. And just participating fully instead of jumping into blaming him for being tired. Like, we can have stayed up all night, but the reframe of, it's because we needed more time together that night. It's because it just was what we needed. It was our medicine that night to be up together. And recognizing that not every night has to be the same. That every single circumstance, like I told you this story, but one time Ozzy like wouldn't eat and I knew he was hungry 
And so I had this like funny little spray bottle and I would spray him with the water bottle and he would laugh and then he would take a bite. And then he wanted more. And so we did that and his whole meal. And I was like, in my head, my first thought was like, oh my gosh, like, did I just set like the weirdest precedent that now I'm going to have to spray him between every bite and like turned into this charade, right? Like my mind instantly went to this fearful place. Of, like, of, is it always going to be yeah, like this? Yeah, like, is, did I just ruin, like, every meal for the rest of my life because now he's going to need to be sprayed to, like, have a good time in between bites? And that was one meal one day. It never came up again. And it was such a good lesson for me of, like, just be present. Stop thinking that everything you're doing right now is forever. You missed a couple um cues in elimination communication like well maybe you were just a little tired that day or a little off like it's not forever and like jump back on that horse the next day like the next meal the next potty like stop thinking that what you're doing is the new forever because i feel like that is so part of the toxic mommy culture of like my toddlers always gonna be this big energy and he's never gonna learn to be um able to share or he's never gonna be able to you know sit still like honor that this is who they are today and that you are who you are today and just participate just participate in the sleepover whenever you guys are up all night participate in the silliness of spraying a tiny little spray bottle on your baby in between bites because it brings them joy. And don't rob yourself of those moments by thinking that they'll never change or that you're messing up because that's what will make you mess up. Yeah. Is by overthinking and by being critical of your child and yourself. Yeah, that's the main thing that you and you know, our circle of friends do not partake in, well, I mean, you specifically, you specifically are so different than anyone else I know, but, you know, the group we're in doesn't partake in toxic mommy culture, but you don't complain about your son. You are not a victim to your son. You don't complain about a, a, a shitty night of sleep. You don't complain about your son because he is the best thing about your life. Exactly. And I feel the same about my husband. Like, you can have that same culture against your partner. So it's like, why? These are the two brightest stars of my life who I intentionally choose to be with every day. It, to me, is just so, like, wounded person to say that it's all these other people that are causing your suffering instead of taking ownership of all of the other things. Like, yeah, it's probably not your baby that's making you feel so tired in the day. It's probably the fact that you feel obligated to keep a perfect home Or it's the fact that you feel obligated to jump back into the workforce at 12 weeks because you have this looming debt from your degree that you earned and, oh, that's my passion. Like, I guarantee if you dive deep enough, it is not your baby ever. 
it's all the other things that you've placed in front of your baby on the importance scale. And sometimes staying up at night, like that is part of what your baby needs. Like you don't, you don't know, like not everything is a problem. Maybe that was what they needed. Like literally one time Ozzy couldn't sleep. He, we went and got books and he spoke like 10 new words in a night. Like his brain truly needed more that day. And so he couldn't sleep. And so literally we read these books and he just absorbed, absorbed, absorbed. And instead of me fighting him and him crying and, you know, being upset and ending our night so poorly, or even I think this was throughout the middle of the night, like we chose something different. We chose to say like, I don't know, like most of our sleep is pretty regulated. So maybe his body's telling us something different tonight. I'm not just going to assume it's a problem. Yeah, and instead of using knowledge of, oh, he needs to sleep tonight, he should, he should, you trusted and said, maybe his body doesn't want to sleep tonight for a reason I don't know. Right. And that's leaning into trust. Yep, yep, exactly. Like, I, acknowledging, it goes back to the same things in the pregnancy, like, you don't always know and it's okay like the mystery is part of the fun the mystery is part of what makes life interesting like doesn't it sound dull to be like oswell saint goes to bed at 8 p.m and wakes up at 8 a.m every single day and he eats at this time and this amount and but even if you like it's robotic yeah but even But even if you got a scroll of your life and it's like in this year, in one year, Oswell will do this and that. And in two years, um, he will break his arm. And in three years, you will go on a trip to Hawaii. And in four years, and you had your whole life planned out like that. That's not what we want. Mm -mm. None of us want that. But we're resisting the magic of the mystery. Mm -hmm. But we are meant to rest in mystery because... That is the magic of life because the alternative of knowing everything, when everyone dies, when everyone gets hurt, when, oh, when every trip would happen, we would never, we would go crazy. It's set up the way it is for a reason. Right. And what would be the point of, like, that's not living, you know, like to be so like, to me, it's just the ultimate, like you're trying to control you're not surrendering, you're not in the flow of life, you're like this uh, human element coming and building a dam in the middle of this flow of life. And you're saying, no, like I'm gonna do this and if you don't part- and if you don't participate, because like maybe it's easy to build a dam for yourself, but it is not easy to build that for a baby because they're so connected to God and source still. They don't have these ideas in their psyches yet. And so good luck building that wall and that dam for a baby who's in the flow of life. It's just, you're, you're going up, you know, you're battling uphill. It's just not going to happen. 
With how I mother, I just truly don't have any longings or regret for what was. Like when Ozzy is in the newborn stage, I'm fully in it with him. Like diving deep into those moments, like not wishing for him to be independent and wishing for him to be, you know, over these little milestones. Like I'm basking in them with him. And then, okay, he starts to crawl and I'm so enthralled by the crawling and supporting him in that developmental time. And I'm not wishing for him to be walking. I'm not wishing for him to be anything other than who he is in those times. And then, okay, he's walking and starting to talk, just enjoying my son growing into the person he is and starting to see this new side of him come alive. And now he's a year and a half and I don't look back at those times with anything but pure joy for those memories and for those moments we shared. I'm not thinking, oh man, I'm, I wish my baby was tiny again because we did it. We lived it, fully embraced it. And we were together every step of the way. Like I was a three month old mom when he was a three month old baby. And now I'm a 20 month old mom and he's a 20 month old baby. Like I don't look back at those things wishing for what was because it was so encapsulated in those moments that I don't need to wish for him to be different than how he is today. And I don't project that into the future either. I don't wish for him to be done breastfeeding. Like that day will come on its own and I don't have to wish for it. It will happen. And I, I don't have to long for the past because it did already happen. And you were so present in it because I can see the perspective with some women's stories where they're always longing to be somewhere other than where they are because there's some bit of suffering in their perception where you know they're not getting sleep and obviously that can be hard but they're not getting sleep so they just want this phase to be over and they're longing to be somewhere other than they are and then once that phase passes you long for the time because you weren't fully there you weren't fully present and we see that with what you feel you were so present day to day you aren't perfect and you, I mean, you're, you're close. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, no, no. You're not perfect, but, but your intention with motherhood has always been to absorb every mm-hmm. single day yeah. for what it is, not what it could be. And that is why you're sitting here as a 20-month-old mom mm-hmm. with no regrets. None. None. He, like, everything that he is today is built off of who he was at three months old, who he was at six months, month old. Like they're not so separate. Like it's built who we are. 
Yeah, because the you six were, month old mom made me the twenty month old mom I am. Because they were everything you did at three months and six months were investments mm-hmm. into that relationship. Mm-hmm. And culture says, oh, that's so hard. You know, breastfeeding on demand is so hard. Mm-hmm. Taking your baby everywhere is so hard. But that was your intention because it's investing into the relationship with your son. Yep. And it's being able to have that perspective, right? Like, I don't know. I don't know where that mindset came from of longing to be either more advanced than you are or back in time where you were. Like, I don't know where that precedent started because it just doesn't make sense. Like, it doesn't make sense for me with my beautiful, vibrant, active, beautiful son. It doesn't make sense for me to wish he was three months old. It's like a little bit twisted. It's a little bit off to like wish for him to be behind something he already accomplished, something we already accomplished. And it's also just a little off to be, oh my gosh, it'll be better whenever he's three. It'll be better when he's four. Because you'll say that till the cows come home. Yeah. You'll say that forever. but, but But people that might say, oh, I wish he was three because then he could talk and he could tell me what, what he wants. It'll be easier. Because it's easier for you. But then, guess what? New challenges come up, right? Like, and then once you, you get wish, there. And then you wish that you. They were these squishy. They you, didn't move. You didn't have to keep track of them. Mm-hmm. The presence. You, you display it. That the presence is literally the key to everything. And it's yeah. so cliche. And you don't get it until you get it. Correct. Yeah, it's easy to say it, right? Like, it's yeah. cute to say it. More of the story. Your baby is nature. They are not your enemy. They are not your victim. They are angels. They are saints. They are the most precious thing in this world. And if you have one, you are the most lucky person in this world. You created a new person to fall in love with from your bones, from your blood. Like, oh man, does it get better than that? No. No. No, no it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs>